aboard. I'm Jeff. I'm Kim. And where is Tom? Well, Tom can make it tonight, but this is the Three Old Reds Fans Podcast coming to you from Shea Generet tonight. We're a short drive from our good friends at Beans in the heart of Cedarville, famous birthplace and the final resting place of Reds pitching legend Bumpus Jones. Last week, I was, or not last week, I guess it's been, what, two, three weeks, uh, you were gone. I was at Tom's house, and we talked, and now you're back in town, and he's tied up right now, so... Maybe here the next time the three of us can all get together, but it's a, a busy summer, a busy summer so far in spring as it was as it were. So, but a big Reds welcome to some more of our new listeners, and big thanks to Podbean.com for giving us that huge boost. We're still listed as a featured podcast. Our followers on Podbean are up to 934. I think, was it two weeks ago? It was like just over 600. 600, now it's 934. <clears throat> wow. Download numbers don't equal the followers, but, you know, eventually maybe all of them will catch up to us. So when you do, I did look at the other analytics. We're now in 35 countries. We've had downloads, at least one download in as many as 35 countries, the U.K. being our number two we do have a uh, good follower on Twitter, and uh, who's from the UK. He asked, he had a question for us last week, and 38 states. So mm. California is number two. We're happy about that. Glad people are, are finding us and and tuning in, and and uh, we put a call out for questions and stuff, uh, and comments or topics you might want us to discuss. Just a couple hours ago, and we've already we've got a few hits on Facebook and one on Twitter. So we will get to those as we work through. They're very hitting a lot of the topics we're going to hit anyway, so we'll just sort of introduce a lot of our topics by going right to them. So, anyway, you're back from your uh, African adventure. I had mine. I think you're more tan than I am. It's <laughs> working out in the yard yesterday. Working out in the yard? Oh, did you, you, well, by the pool, actually working the, on the pool. Working on the pool. Yeah, it's oh. finally got clean. Did it? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I should have... It's, it's uh, Monday <laughs> evening going on 8 o'clock. I should have brought the trunks <laughs> for a little dip. Yeah, little yeah. Uh, twilight dip. Well, maybe next time. Maybe next time. But you, when when you left town, mm-hmm. you know it was still the Reds just kind of flowering around. You know, mm-hmm. win a couple, lose a couple, get to three games under five hundred, and then you know a week later we're six under, and then mm-hmm. and then we back to three, and then so forth, and and lo and behold, and Tom and I talked about this in the last show. It's like. They gotta find. There's got to be a winning streak somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. So we win six straight. Do lose a couple to the Brewers. Of course, in the end, as you said when we were talking, well, when you win the first two of a series, you you hope to do better than split, and you do. But when you look back on it, you got you get a split in Milwaukee, coming off the six game winning streak, and now going out to see the Angels this week, and then Cubs coming in. Was this a blip, or can they? They're going to keep having six-game winning streaks necessarily, but can they really turn a corner a little bit and be and play at more of a five seventy-five winning percentage level, something like that? Maybe not six hundred, but instead of the five hundred level we've been seeing or a little below. Well, since the first start of the season, it's a little over five hundred, but it needs mm-hmm. to get to that five seventy-five or something like that to really probably contend and have make a chance. up for that slow start. Make up for it. Uh, from what you've seen, is, is this team turn a corner? Or is this just is this just one of those six game winning streaks that everybody kind of has, even bad teams? Well, when I left for Africa, we were about four to five under five hundred, so I had no internet access for like eight days. And so when I finally had access, when we were leaving and heading to Europe, I'm I'm you know looking at the record and I'm thinking, oh boy, 
about six or seven under. I look at stats, it's like, oh boy, no one's hitting. Yeah. No one. I look at Suarez, ugh. Look at Winker, ugh. You know, look at Dietrich. You know, got his career high home runs. Nothing. He didn't hit a home. He, he, I don't think he hit a home run the whole time you were out of he town. He and Winker <laughs> did not. I think Suarez had one. Yeah. So it's like, well, and then what were we? Thirty and thirty-eight. And I think Jeff, to answer your question, what we witnessed the past seven games is what happens when the hitting, when the team hits to the way we thought they would hit, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of hits, in terms of. Timely hits is what we have not had by any stretch of the imagination. And the pitching has remained what we've seen all along. Not good pitching. Overall, very good pitching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's starting and bullpen. So if we can get the hitting up to par, to consist- consistency is my key word here. The pitching remain consistent as, as it has all year. And the hitting come up to par and be consistent. If we can do that, then we can say this is something that is more than just a blip, more than just a, oh, okay, you got your streak out of the way, now go back to being the Reds. And I think it's something that we can see. But they have, you can't, I, I think um, now with the two losses, I believe after that, was it one in seven start or mm-hmm. one in eight, whatever it was, you know, you see information out there. Well, there are three above 500 since that time. We can't just go three above 500. We've got to get to that 575, 600 mark to make up for the dismal start mm-hmm. and to get ourselves competitive. Right. And and I, I think now if you get Alex Wood back from what I've been reading three to four weeks and if he's something, then, then you add another quality starter who at GABP, his forte as I've read it is ground ball outs, mm-hmm. and we need that at GABP. Yeah. So I'm a fan. By definition, I'm subjective. But I try to look at that objectively and say, okay, if we can get the hitting to be more consistent, I think what we've seen can be the norm. All right. Well, let's look at one of our Facebook questions here, or a comment. Uh, it's a comment and then a question from Jared Buecher. He says, he says, well, I got pretty excited when they won six in a row. Then the Reds proceed to lose the next two games, should we still be buyers or are we just being delusional about being able to contend this year? Well, let's deal with the buyers-sellers thing a little bit later. This thing about being delusional, which you just said, you're subjective, you're a fan, and I am too, and I'm like fired up. I don't care if I'm delusional, right? (laughs) Baseball's supposed to be fun, right? So beginning of the season, we, we went on record on here and said how many games we thought they'd win. And you guys were like in the 70s. What was your number? 76? I believe I was 76. And, and I you think guys Tom, was, Tom was maybe 79 or 80. And I was like 84 maybe. Something like that. And I still feel that way. I would rather be positive and hope that's what they're going to do. And then if I get disappointed, I get disappointed. Oh, well. But, yeah. So I'm willing to be delusional, Jared. I mean, I, I really am. I mean, I th- when I see... What's happening at the plate with with Puig mm-hmm. and 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 Winker's hit again. Suarez will hit again. I'm not worried about him. And and Votto's hit over 300 now. He's his slash line is really good for the last several. I don't know how many games. I, I read something earlier today about it, and I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it's like that's pretty much typical Joey slugging. Maybe not so much because he right. hit a home run yesterday, but he's the the, the power. I think the power is definitely diminished for him. 
getting on base, maybe not, because right. he still leads the team in on base, but it's still not typical Joey on base. So, you know, in time, we'll see what happens with him. But I, that's why I am. I'm, I'm, I think they can contend. And so I'm not, it's to Jared's question, I'm not at all a seller. A buyer depends. I mean, we can get to that now if we want, but I don't think we're in the in the traditional sense of the word of what it, that usually means. I think buyer and seller. That's kind of it's, it's on the extreme usually, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a buyer, you're willing to you'll you'll buy that you'll do you'll rent that guy. You know, you'll trade for a guy who's going to be a free agent just to try to help you win something right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should do that. I think you give up too much if you do that. And I certainly don't think we should be a seller. Does that mean we shouldn't trade somebody who we're pretty sure we don't have a chance to sign next year? Maybe. You know, maybe so. But as long as we get something decent for him, I don't want to give somebody away either. I I mean, what's the difference of trading Yasiel Puig for kind of nothing versus keeping him the rest of the year, and if he walks, he walks, and you didn't really get anything of value anyway. Only if you get something of real value. But For me, it's too early to answer the exactly. question. I do too. Um, we went into the Milwaukee series knowing that of the next 13 games, 11 were Milwaukee and Chicago. We're through four of those games. <laughs> we're right where we started with, at, with the split. But it's promising. But in terms of buyer-seller, I think we won't know until the All-Star break. Now, I looked at the uh, record. We're five and a half out of the Central. Now, you look at the wild card. And the wild card, Jeff, we're tied for ninth. However, we're only three and a half Oh, out. yeah, it's tight, yeah. So there is definitely the potential that you will not have to sell. Yeah. Or you're not in a position to be the traditional seller. Mm-hmm. But for me it's too early. Right. And then with the schedule coming up, you know, you have to they have to win overall, but they you really have to win within the division. And that's what Milwaukee has done. Mm-hmm. Uh they're they are twenty and twelve right now versus the Central. The Cub, and they're a half game behind the Cubs. The Cubs in first place are thirteen and eleven. The Cardinals are fifteen and seventeen. Um, then the Reds and Pirates are tied for last right now, or tied for fourth. That, that sounds a little, little better than tied for last or tied for fourth. But anyway, Pirates are twelve and fourteen. The Reds are thirteen and nineteen. So they go Central. Yeah, you go back to the beginning of the season that losing streak. They lost a bunch of games. Milwaukee Pirates. and Pittsburgh. Yeah, we lost to and, and Milwaukee. So that since then probably played it pretty even. I haven't really looked at it that closely. We're going to see uh, left-handed pitching coming up, as we were discussing earlier, uh, with the Cubs. I think, as you mentioned, one of the games with the Angels is a left-handed pitcher. The Reds are 9-9 nine and nine against lefties, and that's actually the best record in the division. 7-8 um, and eight for the Cubs, Brewers 10-13, and 13, Cardinals 7-8, Pirates 8-11, and 11, Reds are 9-9. Nine and nine. So maybe that sets up well for that weekend series. I don't know. It is the Cubs. The Cubs have been the streakiest team in baseball this year. Yes. They had that horrible start, and then they won like what they win like twenty one out of thirty games or twenty one out of twenty some some crazy thing. Then they slumped again. Now they're starting to hit again. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Are they going to keep being streaky? And maybe we got a chance to win a series against them this weekend. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And we're going Friday night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sunny Gray. Sunny Gray pitching against Carlos Quintana. Yeah. Yeah. So. That'll be that'll be good. I haven't seen Sunny pitch in person ever, so that'll be fun. 
buyers, sellers, I think you're right. We got to wait. <clears throat> it's too soon because they are in this position right now where they, depending on what they do, not even just to the All Star break because the trade deadline is not till the 31st. Even a week or two after that, you've still got time. There's still plenty of time, so they've still got almost a month of games to play. Yes. Before you have to do that. Now there was a news report out about Red said they'd be interested in an offensive player, a controllable offensive player. Well, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope you're always interested in that. But I, I think that was a way of them saying we are more than interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you're always interested in that. When they said that, got me thinking that you know maybe they really are pursuing it because you're always interested in it like if somebody comes to you with a good deal yeah you're interested when they said that maybe that was to say hey everybody we will we are going to pursue something Mm -hmm. so i don't know what they'll do but um it's got to be controllable i'd be i would not be in favor of trading for a guy who just is a rental like the dodgers did with machado last year I wouldn't, yes. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in favor of that. So agreed. But the Dodgers doesn't matter what they do; they're still winning. You know, they didn't keep Machado, but look at them now. They, yep. they might be the best team in baseball. Mike Long also asked two questions. One was predictions of activity at the July 31 trade deadline: buy, sell, or neither. And I think we've already answered that. He also says, "What about upcoming changes in the rotation and bullpen with Woods' return?" So I always say, you don't have to make a decision now make the decision when you have to make the decision what would be your uh, prediction who you think it'll come down to what they might do in terms of say a starter yeah, no longer being a starter you know Wood's going to start I mean he's going to okay. get a chance to start I don't, I don't if I, it were today mm-hmm. I would move Disco out of the rotation if it were today put I him think, in the bullpen you know I, I've been reading that you know, and, and obviously Starting out the game and striking out six straight batters, people saying, "Well, if he only has to play uh, face the the batters once, go ahead and put him in a bullpen." Well, yeah. How many off? How often does he strike out no, six in a row? Not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bob Steve was our other guy that struck out six in a row, and you certainly aren't going to say he's lighting it up, but he's doing much better. I, I would have to say though, as of today, all things being equal, I would move Disco out of the rotation. You're not going to send him to Louisville, so there's a good chance he would go to the bullpen. And uh, so, do you move one of your lefties out of the bullpen? And there's one lefty you're not going to touch, Garrett. No, he's staying. And it comes down between Dukes and Peralta. And so, you, do you want to get one of them, or do you bring Cody Reed up? So, I'm not sure what you do in the bullpen, to be honest with you. But I would say uh, I would I would be starting. And Alex Wood is a lefty. I would start him over Disco. Right. How about so, you? Well, you know, active right now, you know, you've got, um, as you said, the lefties. You've got Duke mm-hmm. and and um, and Garrett and Peralta is um, Peralta's on the injured list right now. Honestly, we don't have what I would consider strong left-handed bullpen really I mean we got one guy yet look at our look at the bullpen numbers it's some of the best bullpen numbers in the league yes during the winning streak they 
I think they pitched like 18 some innings, gave up two runs. Yes. You know, I mean, you'll you'll take that. So maybe the right left thing um it matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but sometimes it's well, who's 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 performing, who's doing mm-hmm. better and do you do that. So um you know, and, and Garrett, you don't want to just make him a guy to come in to pitch to one guy. You know, come in, save him to get Christian Yelich out in the eighth inning when when there's two guys on base. Right. You know, because he's he, he's too good to only throw to one guy. They did that some earlier in the year, and I didn't like it. Like, we need to see more of him. He might, you know, he may be the best reliever on the team right now. So I want to see more of him. But I don't think there is a good answer. I don't think – I don't know what the answer is because – I've always wished all season they had one less pitcher and one more offensive player. Which brings us to another question. Scooter's coming back probably Friday from what I heard today. Who goes? And I don't think – I think that's a question. And it's probably it's probably Philip Irvin, I guess. Could be Kyle Farmer. I don't know. Really the bigger question is Scooter plays a lot. What's that going to do to other guys and other bats and who's going to be playing where? And because um, he's gonna play second base, mm-hmm. which reduces second base time for Dietrich, Peraza. Mm-hmm. What do you, what, are the, what happens with those two guys? I really don't know. I you know I was thinking about this earlier today, and having Iggy as our shortstop, <clears throat> and Scooter as your second baseman, and then everyone and, and our outfield's got Winker, Senzel, and Puig. So the odd men out are going to be Peraza, Dietrich, and Farmer. Well, Farmer's kind of already the odd man out already. So out of that, then what what do you do with one of these guys? You're not going to do anything with Tucker Barnhart as bad as he's been hitting. Because but Kyle Farmer can catch. Mm -hmm. But is he is he kind of a catcher or is he an emergency catcher? He's the emergency catcher. Right. So you don't probably want to do anything with Barnhart. So it comes down to those three. You're not going to touch Peraza just because of his versatility. And last year, I, I don't think you are at least, and last year in the second half of the season he tore it up, and well, they're hoping he'll do that again. And he's hit well lately. He's he's hit really Dietrich well. Dietrich is recently. such a fan favorite, but taking that out, the guy produces. His average is eh, 230, but he produces, and he's such an energizing force on that team. I really have to say, listening to myself talk about this, Kyle Farmer would probably be even more so the odd man out. But I tell you, like I texted you the other night when he hit a home run, the throw-in. This guy was the throw-in, and mm-hmm. look what he's done. Uh, he didn't hit any homers until no. this year, did he? No, but he hadn't hardly really. He'd only played And he hasn't of, had a lot of at-bats, so to speak, with the Reds. The, yeah, but he hardly had been up with the Dodgers. He hadn't played much. But, in the majors, so he's know, getting, they, he's had he's got more experience this year in the big leagues than he had. Before and Josh Van Meter went down to Louisville, and what's he doing? He's tearing it up again. Well, <laughs> but that's know, in Louisville. It's in Louisville, and they're playing with the major league ball down there now against AAA pitchers. So I don't know, I don't know what that means because he came up and didn't really do much. In all fairness, he didn't get a whole lot of no, playing time. But no, you're right. not a lot. Sinzel has come up and, and played well, but I think Sinzel is a completely different. Completely different level of player. Yep. You know Tom Texas the other night. You guys still? All, you got, what did he say? You got? Are you guys still? You guys, uh, th- you guys think he can really? Still be a sure a, thing. And and then that night he just go off and hit a home run yeah, and did all these other and, things. And I was like, well, so far so good for a rookie. 
I mean, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year with Pete Alonso playing for the Mets, but still, you know, it's you can't. Yeah, he's done it. I think he's a guy who came to the majors not hoping to get there, but expecting to be there. And so I think, I think he's a future leader on the in the clubhouse. I got to say team. this: Tom was not big on putting Senzel in center field. He's never played. My thought is this: if you've been playing ball all your life, and Senzel has and you're a natural and you're an athlete you're going to make other you're going to make it at any position you can make it at almost any position chris welch i love hearing him speak more than any other other reds announcers i don't know if what, you caught more this than tom the other night. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. i don't know if you caught this the other night welch was talking about sensel not his exact words but his meaning he said this jeff he believed that Senzel could play at any position, and then he said, even behind the plate, and be a very good Major League Baseball player. And that's what we've seen in Senzel. This kid will produce. Yeah. And again, he's play, He's been playing what, Jeff? Since early May? Not maybe? long enough. <laughs> we had an extra year of him. And I, like I you said, you don't want me to answer that. And I, I, I laughed. At, as I told you, I laughed as I texted you that comment. But... This kid, as I said last year, he has performed at every level. As long as he continues to progress, there's no reason to think he won't perform at the major league level. And so far, he has. Oh, yeah. He has. He's been consistent. His batting average is first 10 games or so. It's been right in that about a 20-point window. He's 270 now? Yeah. I mean, it's been in, he's been in the 250s, the 270s. He's been in that window consistent, hit some home runs early, didn't hit any for a little bit. Now he's showing yep. he's hit some again. Yep. He'll steal a base sometimes. And playing very good center field. Yeah. I listened to him on Jim Day's podcast. He said that he thinks he'll be in center field for a while. Maybe not his whole career, but for now he thinks he's there for a good bit. Until somebody else can move him out of there and come up and and do that. And who are you thinking? Oh, I don't know. I mean... You're thinking Siri or... Well, Siri... I think... I think Taylor Trammell can play it. The question is, his arm has been questioned. I talked to him at, um, they, then the Dragons had that 20th year uh, anniversary yeah. game, and I talked to Trammell. He was there, and I got to talk to him, and he's like, my arm is stronger. I feel like I can play that. But the Reds haven't, he hasn't played a lick of center field in Chattanooga this year. Tell, that tells me the Reds have decided he's not a center fielder. And I, and I get that because there are other guys in the system who aren't that far behind him who are definitely can play center field well and are playing well and Stuart Fairchild's one um, he's hitting well in uh, I don't know if he's in Daytona or if he's in Chattanooga um, but he's really hitting the ball well and he's a good center fielder but I tell you the, the best center fielder in the organization right now is Michael Ciani at Dayton what I've seen of him and what other people who have watched him play all season, Tom Nichols, for one, who um, is the broadcaster for that team, has said that kid, if he was in the majors right now, would be one of the best center fielders in the major leagues. Defensively? Defensively. We're okay. Defensively, yeah, as a center fielder. If I'm looking at organization-wide, what's gonna, how pieces are going to fall in, I'm thinking I need to get Taylor Trammell really, or Trammell really well in a corner because – Michael Ciani's coming. He was a fourth-round pick, but he got first or second-round kind of bonus money because 
there was a signability issue because he committed to UVA. He, the guy's he's nineteen. Yeah, he didn't hit a lick for about a, six weeks when he got to Dayton. He was hitting like one thirty something or one fifty, but his average is up to about two forty now. He's been the hottest as hot probably their hottest hitter in the last since the last week of May. And he's got speed. He's left. He bats left-handed. I think down the road he might be the next guy after Sinzel to play center field. Okay. I mean, I can. Is that that'll be my hot take? Michael Ciani <laughs> next center fielder for the Reds after after Sinzel because I think I think that's what they're looking at. I mean, he is that. That's the, that's where you're going to play him. If now, does that mean somebody else might not play it in the meantime? In between, yeah, that could happen. Depends on needs and. You know, and what you do with uh, what you do with Sinzel if, if an outfield spot actually opens up that makes sense that you do, but that's that's what I think's coming. Mm-hmm. And I think the Fairchild's pretty good too. But if he's a better hitter, he'll be good enough center fielder. If those two things being equal, Siani's really good out there. Go back to some questions here from Facebook. Another one, Mike Rouse says, "Who do they trade, or do they sign Jeanette Dietrich or trade them?" Sort of like this this whole thing. So, I said before, I can see Dietrich staying. Because they have another year of control on him, right? In arbitration, he's, he's arbitration got an, He's got an arbitration year, and Jeanette does not. Right. And they're similar guys, although I think Jeanette's a better hitter yep. overall. More consistent. Yeah. I, I, I prefer him overall as a hitter. I mean, Dietrich, what's this, like his seventh year now in the league? Sixth or seventh year he's played? I mean, he's, he's a good player. But he was an uns- he was signed as a minor league contract for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's never really proven to be an everyday mm-hmm. over the long haul guy. Is he suddenly going to become that? Now Scooter Jeanette did at a similar age probably, but it doesn't mean Derek Dietrich's going to. So I think if money's not an object, I- I'd more in favor of keeping Scooter around than I am Dietrich, unless Scooter comes back and. I mean, I don't, he had a groin injury. I, I don't see why he's not going to be fine. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's not like he hurt a shoulder, hurt a, a knee. hurt a knee. It's not a, not a joint injury, so I think he'll be fine. Um, will he be rusty at the start? Maybe. I was driving over here tonight and listened to Lance McAllister um, on the radio, and he, he says, "Well, here's our update on Scooter tonight. He just doubled in leading in his first at bat for Louisville needed that because we were no hit the other night with Scooter in the lineup." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he doubled in the, I guess, first inning probably anyway, his first at bat anyway. So I, I'm looking forward to him being back, and I'm hoping he's plays. I'm hoping he's in the lineup Friday night. That'll be fun. And it'd be just like Scooter to do something. You know, Jeff, you sit there, and I was looking at all these one-year contracts and the money that's assigned to uh, Puig to Roark. Doesn't Roark have the highest, second highest salary after Joey Votto? I believe he does. Well, keep talking. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. And I so then you up. also right have um, uh, Scooter, who's making a decent salary, if you would, and Alex Wood. So all of these players, Jeff, that I just mentioned, have one thing in common. They're free agents after this season. Oh, yeah. So you you have a whole lot of money freed up. So looking at that, you have that option. But if Scooter comes back and just absolutely be performs like the Scooter we've seen the past two years, you do what you can to keep him, but you don't want to give him that long a contract. As well as Dietrich's been, 
I agree with you. I would keep Scooter. Yes, you are correct. Well, <laughs> sort of. Are they still paying Matt Kemp? Uh, how about the second highest with players who are currently on their roster? Does that help? Because <laughs> Matt Kemp was making $21 million this year, although we got money in that and so forth, so we're not paying him that much. But We just don't have to pay Homer that much. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah, $10 million. He is making $10 million this year, and that is actually on the active roster right now. He is the second highest paid player on the team. Scooter's at 9.775, uh, Alex Wood 9.65, Puig 9.59. And so right so, there, Jeff, you're so at 36 to 40 million. Yeah, there's three guys in almost – basically there's four guys making $10 million bucks. Right. So that's $40 million, and Joey will make $25 million next year. And all four of those guys are free agents. So, yeah, there's $40 million. What are you going to do with that forty million next year? You going to give? You going to give? I mean, I would say, I, I, they, they won't give. They might offer Rarick something, but ain't going to be any more, or very little more. I mean, they might. He might get eleven or twelve. Right? Scooter's going to want fifteen. Puig's going to want fifteen. If Wood comes back and pitches well, he's going to want fifteen. You know, at least you know, or, or more. All right. So last year we were. It just depends we on part of it depends on how they finish the season. Because you got because you got a Puig who started terrible, but now all of a sudden his value might be going back up, especially mm-hmm. if he finishes well. Alex Wood's untradeable right now, anyway. Right. You know, so you don't know. And Jeanette hadn't played all season either. Right. So anyway, go ahead. I, I'm sitting here thinking, okay. When Wood comes in, I, I would like to see us keep Roark and Wood. Last year at this time, we were enamored with what pitcher, Jeff? Enamored with who? Oh, um. Went to the Angels. What's his name? I can't, Matt Harvick. Matt Harvick. I can't even remember his we name. We were enamored with him. I think they made an offer, but he went to Cal- California, yeah. right? I would love to see us keep Wood and Roark, but I do not want to see us break the bank. Puig is such, he's very intriguing. Uh, I think we were texting. That I, I can, as you know, I can't stay up late and watch a game. So Friday night, I stayed up and watched that four I hour. I can believe four like, hour and eight minute game. Did you take a nap in the seventh <laughs> inning and wake back up? That's what I wondered. But Puig, even when he's so frustrating, when he goes up there and uh, a, a, the pitcher walks two guys in front of him, and he goes and swings at the first pitch. I don't care if it's down the middle of the strike zone. The guy just hits a guy and walks two pitchers. You don't swing at the first pitch. But when he stands out in right field and that ball's hit to him, move at your own risk. The guy defensively is just incredible. So I, I'm a little intrigued with Puig and what they could do with him. But, I, again, I would not break the bank. I will disagree with you a bit on Puig swinging at the first pitch. Um, okay. The guy just walks two guys. What's he – What's he going to? What's he want to do? The next guy, he wants to get. He ahead. wants to throw a strike. He's going to throw a fastball over the plate, and if it's down, if it's down, if it's down low where Puig likes if, it, I'd swing it. I wouldn't swing at a high strike, but he didn't swing at high but, strikes because he can't hit them. Understand? That's my rule of thumb, yeah. and I think that's everyone's rule of thumb. Here's who. Here's who actually did it. I think it was Peraza, and I'm like, of all people, Mister Pop Up to right field, Jose Peraza, you of all people don't do it. I, if I'm going to say anyone can do it, I'm going to say a Votto, a Winker, a Puig, and a Senzel, but 
More well, than the not. two the two hits were the the night of the walk off. The two the back to back singles. Sinzel hit a first pitch. Yep. And did and, and did Winker hit a first pitch yep. too? Yep. But there weren't a bunch of. I walks don't think you can have any. a. I'm just saying you can't have a blank. Yeah, and I think you're agreeing with me now. Agreeing to. <laughs> I'm not saying I changed your I mind. I like it. But you're agreeing with me. It's about time. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, all I'm saying is a rule of thumb: if a guy's wild, don't make it easy on him. No. But if you get a pitch you like, yes. Especially because might... a home run hitter, and if it's a low strike. Puig likes the low pitches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't remember what he swung at, but I don't either. You know, anyway, but I know can it be? It can't be as bad. I don't know if you saw that. Anytime a guy time. swings at a first pitch in that situation, I'm waiting for your text. Can't be. Why did he swing at that? <laughs> well, it's not as it's not as standard as the DH. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> yes, I'm on record as wanting the DH. And we were talking the other night about what was it about? Something about the lineup. And I, know, and I was like, who do this? And I, and I got, well, you know, if we had it. <laughs> and I responded, there it is. <laughs> and you responded back, that's my go-to. It is. It's my go-to. And, and it, I, you know, I'm looking forward to that the next couple nights. We get to well, have a DH. And you'll have to let me know how it went. I'll have to DVR it because oh, I think not... one game starts at 10.07. Yeah. Well, I won't be up. I. Oh, yes, you will. You'll, you'll fall asleep watching it. Tuesday night. Tuesday night I can stay up. Thursday I got to get up early in the morning, so I won't. I won't stay up for that one. Well, that game actually starts a little bit sooner How, than ten oh seven. Does it? it? Oh, I don't know. However, I think it's a getaway day, so to speak. However, since we are three old Reds fans, I can't say. I think I can say this on this podcast. Oh, it's an eight oh seven game. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. See. I uh, see. Oh, yeah. You're agreeing with me now. See how that works both ways. It's an eight oh seven. I, I, I don't know if I can make it to the end. Hey, however, Milwaukee was eight fifteen. However, at some point in the middle of the night, I will get up out of bed. Yeah. All right. It won't be a. It won't be a twelve fifteen. Joel Youngblood, right? No, it won't be that. Some point during the middle of the night, I will get out of bed. And I will look at my phone to see how the game went. Before oh, I, I do that a lot. Yeah, I'll wake up and see, okay, what happened. I'll probably check my fantasy team, too, to see if I, if I lost or gained any points over the night. Oh, uh, what do you think, Callie? Callie's, a, Callie's our uh, mascot for the show tonight. What kind of dog is that? Callie is a cross between a Chihuahua and a King Charles Spaniard. Good little loyal Spaniard pup. or Spaniel? Yes. Spaniel. <laughs> King Spaniard. Charles Spaniel. So, yes, she has that spaniel look about her face. She does. She does. Um, and she definitely, size-wise, is more like the spaniel than the chihuahua. More like a scooter or a Dietrich size-wise, right? Yes. She's got gold around her neck, too, just like uh, Dietrich. So, did you see the other night when he got hit for the sixth time and he's going to first base and he went, like, yep. held up five, yep. six fingers? like. So, yeah, he, that guy gets under people's skin. On the other teams, he just has a way of doing that. So, I asked, I tweet, I sent a tweet to the Reds. Uh, I tagged the Reds people in it, and Jason Stark. You know who Jason Stark. I is? know the name. Yes. Jason Stark writes great stuff. I mean, he's right working for the Athletic now, and he'll and he loves weird stuff in baseball. So I tagged him too. I said, "Is there making this big deal about? It. He's the first Red ever, you know, get hit by a pitch three times in one game." And I said, is he the first guy to ever hit three homers in a game and get hit by a pitch three times in a game? At least in the same season, At least in the same season, if ever. 
nobody replied to me. I guess, I guess we're a nobody. But anyway, I did. I this made me wonder. See, you should stay up late Tuesday night because you might see something you've never seen before. Although you probably wouldn't because you'd probably fall asleep. So. I would. I would. Yeah, yeah. I'll struggle. I'll struggle because I got to get up early Tuesday morning. So I might take a nap Tuesday afternoon so I can stay up. I like when we're going, when I mentioned about the game Friday night, and you go, is it a day game, night game, night game? You go, I should be up by then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm on summer break. But life of the I, professor. I will definitely be up by then. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so, Molly is pitching against somebody named Haney tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And then... Do they have the... They do not have a... Right. The, Wednesday is still listed TBD. So, so, we do not know if they'll be... So and they're listing right Cubs now, TBD. Where did you see Quintana? Oh, you're talking you Anaheim or Chicago? No, I'm talking about Friday now. They're listing Cubs as TBD on the. I saw on ESPN. ESPN mm-hmm. had had uh, Quintana listed. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, that's cool. And the Angels, the the second night, they did not have the the starter listed. So earlier today, the next four games in which a starter is listed for the opponent, at least earlier today, all were lefties. All right, bring them on. Bring him on. Nine and nine, right? I don't get to see Winker play much, but bring him I on. know. I'd like to see that too. Yeah. Oh, well. Thirteen and nine. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's see here. We are uh, let's find out what how we want to finish this show up today. On Twitter, we have um, Dalton Spear at Daily Dalton says, "How have your feelings changed regarding how has your feelings regarding Reds pitching changed if they have since your last podcast?" Well, you're asking a lot for me to remember what I thought, <laughs> what I said on the last podcast. <laughs> I don't think they've changed. I think I'm still high on our pitching. I think uh, Castillo has a cut down on the walks. I don't think he'll yeah. be. I think Castillo will struggle against a really good lineup, like he's shown twice against the Brewers. As he, if he doesn't clean that up, uh, I know a couple weeks ago they said on television one night uh, Castillo has thrown fewer pitches across the plate than anybody. He gets the guys to chase a lot. Against a better team, better hitters. They're not going to chase as much. He couldn't get to two, he didn't get to many two strike counts, couldn't throw his change up as much in that game. It hurt him. So I think that's what has to happen there. Roark, I knew Roark would be kind of what he is, bulldogish, uh pretty good most of the time. Once in a while he might not get out of the third inning. Uh, which is true. He's improving. He's improving. But he's better than he. Yeah, he's been he's been steadily getting better. I think Mally, uh, if you look at a lot of his other numbers other than ERA, some of those pre- other predictive numbers like FIP and XFIP and and some of those other pitching stats that are that 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 um, all the stat heads say are more predictive than ERA. Those numbers for him are better than his ERA. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's pitching a little better than we think. Now remember, um, in, in like his first five starts, the Reds were shut out three times. Right, and he didn't get a lot of innings in. Right. And that's one thing that I don't see if I can explain this. I think I brought this up once before. ERA is based on nine innings, mm-hmm. earned runs per nine innings. Well, when you were throwing seven, when starters were more routinely going seven and eight innings, if you give up three runs... Now, if you go only five or five and two thirds and give up three runs, yeah. your ERA is not as good. Right. So, and, and Molly not and Molly finally went seven for his longest outing ever, 
his outings were a little shorter. I'd have to look at his run totals and see, but that could be that ERA could be a little deceiving, kind of like a ERA can be very deceiving for a reliever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, David Hernandez's ERA is still is a little over four, but David Hernandez pitches in lots of high leverage situations, mm-hmm. and you don't cringe when David Hernandez goes in the game. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do, but. No. Because there's probably been, what, once or twice, yeah, he didn't have it and he gave up some stuff. But he's pretty good at not letting inherited runners score, it seems like, and, and doing the job. So it can be a little deceiving. So Gray, I'm, I'm happy with him. I mean, how can you not be? I think their ERA is, all year their starter ERA has been anywhere from like one to four in the National League, depending on the week. And the reliever ERA is good too. So I don't have any problems with it. I think they're carrying one more than they need to. But the way David Bell has been using the bullpen makes sense. If he is he has shown maybe lately that he's going to let starters go just a little longer, if some philosophy changes or the starters prove that they can go a little longer, maybe he can feel free to have one, you know, one fewer relievers. I, I don't know. You know, I, I would have to say that if you're coaching, managing a team in any sport – you do not want your players to speak out to the press. You want to keep it in the clubhouse. You want to keep it in the locker room. Yeah. I get that with Molly. But, Jeff, I liked how Molly responded from the standpoint, Jeff, that I like that the man wants the ball and he wants to pitch longer. He's not running. He's not hiding. He's saying, I want to develop. Okay? I like that. Yeah, I do too. Secondly, Roark has also spoken up about it. All right, so the the game was a game, not this past start, but the start before, what did he go, seven-plus innings or something? Yeah. And remember, as the game wore on, the guy was in a zone. Uh-huh. And Jeff, this last game where he went six innings, I don't know if, if you saw it, the camera was in on the dugout, and you saw Bell and Roark talking, and as they walked away, Roark patted him on the back. And I think, you know, Bell's coming around a little bit because after the Molly comment I found this very interesting. Bell's very careful with his words. Oh yeah. yeah. Bell made the comment that we're both learning. We're both growing and I I, I think it, that I think that was a very telling comment for Bell to make so wed to the numbers, so wed to the stats and so successful and I was big on wanting them to hire him and I was glad they did yeah. and not get a retread. It is sometimes frustrating when, wait a second, you're pulling, wait a second, you're doing this. But as you said, we trust him. I think at the same point, there's a little bit of, you know what? If any pitcher, let's say Molly and Roark we're talking about, instead of going five and two-thirds, if they can go six and two-thirds, instead of six, they can go seven, that's nice to be able to bring in another pitcher or so for just an inning or two. And let them develop. Yeah. Let them stretch. And it's really what, if you look at the Reds' numbers and the rest of baseball, they're right in line with the way everybody else is doing it. Are not we're not our relievers are not throwing way much, way more innings than other people. It's all about the same. We're actually, I think, the last time I saw some of those numbers, uh, there's a lot of teams that have, whose relievers have thrown more innings than the Reds' relievers have. Well, the Reds and, and, have a complete game this year. Yeah. They will? Oh, will they? Yeah. Oh, 
I don't know, maybe. We Castillo, had one last Castillo year. might. I mean, I could see. I, I could see. Um, well, I don't know if Castillo can because he, it's the walks. You get a, you know, actually the guy who won't walk people, who if he's really rolling and can keep it together a third time through the order is Molly. And he can keep his pitch count down. I mean, he's he's probably as far as pitch count and walks, maybe the one guy who who could. And remember last year at this time, Molly couldn't. No. The improvement he's made. He's made. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what it takes, and he's getting it, and he's and he's getting it. So, I think, I think, um, they're fine. I mean, you can't argue with the overall numbers. Yes, we wish Castillo would have pitched better on Saturday. Yes. Which these Kalani would have pitched better on Sunday. You're going to have games like that. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your staff is. You're going to have starters. Not everybody's going to have a quality start every time. So Castillo, I read this the other day. I I can't, I can't confirm it, but they say take out his starts against the Brewers. His ERA is one point one seven. Yeah, well, he's got to learn to pitch against the Brewers because they're in the division, and he's going to see them three or four times every yep. every summer. Yep. So last week, last show, we talked about uh, trade of the, what I referred to as sort of the trade of the century for the Reds, and with the trade deadline coming up, this one was made in November. It was the uh, Geronimo, Armbrister, Billingham, Mankey, and Morgan that we got by trading Tommy Helms, Lee May, and Jimmy Stewart to uh, the Astros. Mm-hmm. So last week we talked about Geronimo and his impact on the Reds, and Ed Armbrister, we'll talk about him this week, Yes, he had a little. He had a little bit of impact, uh, not near as much as a Cesar Geronimo did, or Jack Billingham did, or obviously Joe Morgan did. But you know, when you look him up on Baseball Reference, it says pitch hitter and outfielder. Well, mostly he was a pinch hitter, and it's just so he was from the Bahamas. Did you know that? Played five years in the big leagues, all with the Reds, and in those five years, he got two hundred sixty-five at bats. Hmm. So not many at bats, bat at 245 batting average. However, he is pretty well known for one incident in the 1975 World Series, and uh, I looked at it on YouTube. I, I googled it today, and there's a the whole four minutes of the whole discussion is on YouTube. The play, Tony Kubek saying going on and on about it. Marty Brenneman was actually on the TV broadcast that year. They they brought that was a year that they brought in the. Home brought, team, the home team guys, and, and so forth. So he was on the broadcast. Uh, so the series it was game three. The series was tied one one. It was the bottom of the tenth. It was tied five to five. And do you remember who the pitcher was? Probably not. I remember who the umpire was. Yeah, the umpire was Gary Barnett. Larry. Larry Barnett. Larry Bar- Gary Barnett was a football coach. <laughs> Larry That's Barnett. Right. Noter, His uh, other brother, Larry. Right? Yeah. And in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. So, Larry Barnett. Yes. American League umpire, by the way. Yes, he was. And he got a lot of grief for a long time. Yes, he did. From American League fans and Red Sox fans. Not by Reds fans. No. So, Jim Willoughby was on the mound. Ah. Okay. And Geronimo, we talked about last week, and we mentioned this last week, just didn't go into the rest of the detail. He he got a, he let off the inning with a single to right. And then Armbrister pinch hit for Eastwick. Eastwick ended up being the winning pitcher in this game. Because uh, he had just pitched in the top of the tenth, so Armbrister. This is an interesting thing here. Armbrister pinch hits. This is how baseball has changed. He's a pinch hitter. What to ask him to do? Bunt. Bunt. 
I mean, all the analytics, we'd all go crazy now. You send a guy to pinch hit and you ask him to bunt? <laughs> That's your second thing behind the DH, right? <laughs> what? What are you doing? But he's probably a much better bunter than Raleigh Eastwick was. And maybe Eastwick was done for the night anyway. He probably pitched enough. So he bunts it right in front of the plate, and then he and Fisk get tangled up, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then Fisk, what does Fisk do? Do you remember? Picks up the ball and throws it away. Throw, threw it into center field. So Geronimo goes to third, and Armbrister ended up getting to second because mm-hmm. they threw to third, and Armbrister was hustling, and he gets to second. So the big controversy then, and then Daryl Johnson is the Red Sox manager, and he's out arguing about it, and they're showing it again. And Tony Kubek, who I never liked. You didn't like Kubek? I mean, he's an American League homer. He was always I liked a, him. He was always an American League homer. He's a Yankee. He played. He's a Yankee shortstop. Yeah. I was not a, ever a really big Kubek fan. He's he's talking very loudly in in a whiny voice. If you ask me, that's why I'm. That's he. He was all about how that should have been interference, and I, I mean, yeah, you can't get in front of a fielder. Doesn't the guy bunt have a right, right to, to run? Go, right to run the first base. That was the phase? argument made. So that's the whole thing, and then. Brenneman chimes in a little bit, but he didn't really... He's like, yeah, this is going to be controversial type of comment, but he didn't really give an opinion, which... If he, he was today. Well, if he would have been on the radio calling the game, he probably would have given an opinion, but he didn't. And he would today, obviously. And, of course, Kurt Gowdy's the play-by-play guy, so... And I liked Kurt Gowdy. he was a big Red Sox guy, right, Kurt Gowdy? That's what people always said, yeah. Oh, if you listen to that last out of the series, yeah. it was almost yeah. anticlimactic. Yeah, it was. Second and third, they bring in... And there's another weird thing that happened. They they change pitchers. They bring in Roger Moret, and they intentionally walk Pete Rose. With that, so then he pitches, and then Merv Retman strikes out swinging for the first out, and then Morgan gets a base hit to center, and they win the game. So that was that was that walk. They had there were two walk off hits in that series. This one, and then of course Fisk in Game Six. So, so that's Ed Armbrister, his contribution to, to, two, to Reds was. in Reds lore. Speaking of uniform numbers, episode forty one. Mm-hmm. So we'll go through this real quick, and then we'll be done. 29 players have worn number wow. 41 for the Reds. Most recently last year was Matt Whistler. And in 17-18, so part of last year too, Kevin Shackelford. A couple of good relievers through the years, Tom, Jeff Shaw and Tom Hume. Yep. And then a couple of famous pitchers for the Reds wore number 41. Do you know? Well, one's obviously Seaver. Okay, there you and go. And if I'm not mistaken... One is the old uh, rounding third and heading home. Yeah, right? Nuxall wore it uh, for for like a year or two. Uh, Seaver is the probably the most because he wore it for several years. All the years he was with the Reds, um, Seaver won seventy five. Six years with the Reds, he went seventy five and forty six. Had a three eighteen ERA. He was a two time All Star as a Red in eighty one, which was the strike year. He went. Yeah, go ahead. What do you do? You, what do you remember? Anything about what no, he did that I, year? I'm thinking the year they traded for him, he was seven and three. If I, if memory serves correct, Jeff, he was seven and three with the Mets and fourteen and three with the Reds. So for the year, he finished twenty one and six. Well, I will, if if memory serves correct, that's a long time ago. Well, you got a pretty good memory on that kind of stuff. You might not remember what you had for lunch, but 
<laughs> well, today I went to mom and dad, so I do. Oh, okay. All right. So in 77, he went, yeah, he was 21 and 6 overall. Is that what you said? Mm hmm. And he was third in the Cy Young voting. Yep. So in 81, you were saying the strike 81 year. 81 was the strike year. He was 36 years old. Did he lead the majors in ERA or something? No, he led the majors in wins. He went 14 and 2. Had a, uh, I say, the best winning percentage and the best wins in the league. And he also had an ERA of 254. He was second in the Cy Young voting in 81. Was it a Dodger? Um, I will click this link and tell you who won the Cy Young that year. It was, oh no, it was 81. We know who won the Cy Young that year. Yeah, it was a Dodger. Fernando. Fernando Mania. That was Fernando Mania okay. season. So yeah, because he went, he went thirteen and seven and a two forty eight. I mean, you could say Seaver in some ways had better numbers. They both had eight first place votes, and Fernando beat him by three vote three points in the voting points. Wow, seventy to sixty seven. So close, but I mean, Fernando was Fernando threw almost thirty more innings, um, uh, and he was and struck out one hundred and eighty guys. Seaver struck out eighty seven. Yeah, so I mean, it was Fernando's year. You know, that was that's that's all we heard about. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was a rock star that year. So yeah. you know, he won the he won the award. So anyway, so that wraps up our our stuff. Um, guess uh, we'll uh, beat the game Friday night. Yeah, I'm one and zero this year. I'm going to Reds games. So we'll uh, see how that goes, and hopefully. Our next time, we can get Tom back in the fold. I had him last time, you this time. If we all three of us can get it back all back together next time, maybe we get John in here and maybe somebody else. You know, what we need to do, too, I had some texts with some buddies from Southern California, New York, and PA. We all went to high school together. Oldest ballparks after Fenway and Wrigley. You might be surprised at the answers. Oh, Dodger Stadium is probably one of them. You might be surprised, and, and and yeah, and you might be surprised after that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to look up, Tom. That's your job. <laughs> look that up for next show. I don't think yeah, he's not. Yeah, when you're when you're traveling. When you're traveling, yes, give you something to do on the plane. So, I know he's off this week somewhere. So we uh, wish him well on his trip. So, all right. Well, let's say let's say good night, good good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day you're listening <laughs> yeah. to this. Uh, if you've made it all the way to the end, if you have, we appreciate it. And um, thank you to all those who uh, chimed in on Facebook and Twitter. We really appreciate yes, it. Thank you. And uh, keep keep that stuff coming, and uh, we enjoy doing that. So with that said, one, two, three, go Reds. Go Reds.